Hello, my name is Rick Pearson, and welcome to Prophecy USA, a program specifically designed to unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy. You know, the Bible says that when God sent Jesus to the earth, He put His Spirit upon Him without measure. But what does that mean? Stay tuned, you're about to find out. Welcome back, folks. For those new to our program, we'd like to encourage you to join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. for our Bible study podcast with live chat right at prophecyusa.org. Now, historically, the Bible states in multiple references that Jesus walked on the water, healed the sick, raised the dead, opened blinded eyes, and did many miracles. God did that through Jesus and through his disciples in order to get the world's attention to confirm that Jesus had actually been sent by God and was the Son of God. It confirmed to his generation how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. His disciples declared even the wind did obey his voice. But after Jesus dies and rose from the dead and then departed, God continued working through his disciples, which Mark later quoted, and they went forth preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs and wonders. Now, the New Testament talks of healing and deliverance, etc., but no generation after Christ has seen the kind of miracles that are recorded before Christ actually came. Perhaps the greatest of those biblical accounts was the story of Moses and how he delivered the children of Israel from Egypt after 400 years of being in bondage. Listen to this. After 400 years of Egyptian bondage, the children of Israel had reached a divine period of time on God's prophetic time clock. 400 is made up of two multiples, 8 times 50. 50 is a time of jubilee, where debts are settled, and freedom is released. However, 8 is a time of new beginnings, such as when 8 members of Noah's family were delivered from God's wrath the day they came out of the ark. This divine period of time acted as God's divine finish line, activating Israel's freedom, Egypt's judgment, and a new beginning for those who worshipped Him and those who did not. However, Scripture specifically states that God did these tremendous signs and wonders through His prophet Moses as a wake-up call to Moses' generation. A great exodus was about to take place. Scripture literally states that through this process of signs and wonders, God had a purpose. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and I will give me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host that the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. In this process, God prepared Moses to act on his behalf. When God wanted to move, he would instruct Moses to move first. When Moses stretched forth his rod in faith, God returned the favor by stretching forth his hand to deliver. In this process, God released 10 plagues in Egypt. 
He changed the water into blood. He brought forth frogs in the land. He released a plague of lice. He brought forth flies. He created plagues within the livestock. He caused boils to break out on man and beast. He rained down hail on the land. He brought forth locusts. He made the land full of darkness. And he released the spirit of death upon all the firstborn of Egypt. But God was not finished after Moses. From generation to generation, God showed forth his signs and wonders through kings, prophets, and soldiers, equipping men, women, and even a young shepherd boy to activate their faith and release God's hand of deliverance. Of course, the greatest deliverer in scripture came through the ministry of Jesus Christ, and his ministry has not stopped. James specifically promised us, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Many believe we are in the last days. Many believe that another great exodus is about to take place. Not an exodus from one country to another, but from death unto life, from mortal unto immortality, from a corruptible body to an incorruptible. So the question for today is, will God warn us, like he warned Pharaoh and the children of Israel, that another exodus is coming? Will America's 400-year-old covenant with God move his hand to release signs and wonders before her coming destruction and exodus that will happen in one hour as prophesied in scripture? Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, for in one hour is thy judgment come, for in one hour so great riches is come to naught, for in one hour she is made desolate. Fear God, for the hour of his judgment is come. But these two things shall come upon thee in one moment, in one day, suddenly, as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. But just like in Moses' generation, in this coming judgment, God has a divine exit strategy for believers within America, and it will be the most spectacular exodus in Bible history. I have set before thee an open door, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world. Welcome back, folks. So as we unveil the hidden mystery of America's role in Bible prophecy, what can we expect possibly to come to America? Hebrews 13.8 said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If miracles happen then and there, and throughout all of history, should we not be expecting the same Jesus to perform the same miracles here and now? Psalms 37 says, The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. In every generation when the wicked plots against the righteous, history proves God will avenge them only if the righteous stay in covenant with God. In 2 Kings, we see that Elisha worked for six years with the prophet Elijah. He watched his men do incredible miracles and observed the power of the Holy Spirit in Elijah's life. But when it was time for Elijah to be taken to heaven, which is a prophetic foreshadowing of the rapture, Elijah asked his protege, what shall I do unto you? And Elisha said, give me a double portion of your spirit. Elijah performed seven miracles in his ministry that we know of. 
one being the calling down of fire on Mount Carmel and the destruction of Baal worship in Israel. The last miracle Elijah experienced was his ascension into heaven, accompanied by a whirlwind and chariots of fire. After that ascension, Elisha immediately took up Elijah's mantle and parted the Jordan. He then purified the water of an embittered spring. Soon afterwards, he called forth judgment on those who mocked him. And he discerned the plans of the armies of Assyria when they plotted against God's people. He also resurrected a boy from the dead. Now, these were just a few of the 14 miracles that this prophet Elijah performed. Pastor David Guzik wrote this concerning Elisha. Elisha could have asked for anything, but he didn't seek wealth, worldly power, or anything else that we would consider to be worldliness. He only sought a double portion of empowerment from the mentor who preceded him. However, when it comes to the second coming of Christ, James said that Jesus was asking for something on our behalf. James 5, 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman, Jesus, waits for the precious fruit of the earth and long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. But what does that mean? What was Jesus asking for on your behalf? Stay tuned. You're going to be amazed. Hello, folks. Karen and I would like to personally thank you, our prayer partners. And our monthly supporters. Who are helping us spread God's word concerning America's role in Bible prophecy. In order to help you reach friends and other loved ones with this teaching, please listen to this very special message. In these end times, it is more important than ever to reach the lost. That's why Rick and Karen Pearson have assembled all of their teaching into this powerful study kit. For a gift of just $200 plus shipping and handling, Prophecy USA will send you a free study kit of five books, five study guides, and a DVD teaching aid discussing each chapter. Or for a gift of just $375 plus shipping and handling, you will receive a free study kit of 10 books, 10 study guides, and two DVD teaching aids. Call today at 1-888-306-1759 or visit us online at prophecyusa.org to send your gift and begin sharing these important prophetic teachings. Welcome back, folks. We just learned that Jesus is waiting for something to happen before he returns in the flesh. He's waiting for the early and the latter rain. Now, Jesus many times referred to the Holy Spirit as being like water or rain, especially when he said, He that believeth on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. But what is the early and the latter rain? What does this mean to us today? Hosea in 800 BC prophesied concerning the Lord. And he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. We see in this passage there are two images describing Christ's coming, a former and a latter outpouring. And Hosea compared that appearance as rain or water being poured out among us, or upon us, I should say. 
the prophet Joel prophesied of the day of the Lord's coming. He also used the analogy of the early and latter rain that God would send to Israel to provide water for the harvesting or an abundance of crops. Joel 2 says, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. Now, several verses later, Joel explains, And I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see, see visions. In those days I will pour out my spirit. On the day of Pentecost, when the disciples received the Holy Spirit, Peter referred to Joel's prophecy when he said, But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Now notice Joel prophesied that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, yet Peter said God was pouring out of his spirit. Is it possible that the latter rain or outpouring of God's spirit started pouring out of the believers on the day of Pentecost? That was the day God's kingdom, by the Holy Spirit, came into the believers as Jesus said it would. Believers have been operating under the latter reign of His Spirit since the upper room experience. When the New Testament believers were in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Here is the spout where the latter rain came out. However, according to James, Joel, and Hosea, there's coming a day when both the latter rain and the early rain will be poured out simultaneously. And it will take place immediately before Jesus returns. James said he is waiting for that to happen. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. So if Pentecost was the latter rain outpouring, what is the early rain? Stay tuned, you're going to be amazed at the teaching today. History records that the greatest exodus in the Bible was led by Moses. But according to scripture, another exodus is coming. It's bigger, better, and is beyond any other mystery that is contained in scripture. But how does the United States of America play a pivotal role in this unfolding mystery? Prophecy USA is proud to present the latest book by Rick Pearson, The Coming Exodus, Unveiling America's Future. This exciting and timely new book is coming soon. And now, when you send a gift of $35 or more, plus shipping and handling, you will receive the book, The Coming Exodus, Unveiling America's Future, as soon as it's available. Call today. 1-888-306-1759 or visit prophecyusa.org to be one of the first this October to unravel one of the greatest mysteries in Scripture. 
Welcome back, folks. We've just learned that the latter rain outpouring of God's Spirit took place on the day of Pentecost. But according to James, Jesus is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth, the bride of Christ, to receive the early and the latter rain before he comes. When Jesus read in the synagogue, he quoted the prophet Isaiah by saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. Isaiah describes six distinct manifestations of the Old Testament anointing when he spoke of the Spirit that would rest upon the Son of God. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, the Spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. Now, each of these manifestations represented God's presence or his character manifested within the anointing for the task at hand that Jesus had. Jesus carried all seven spiritual characteristics of God's presence. He had wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of God. A seventh spirit or anointing of God was mentioned when Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus had all seven spirits and he was speaking the seventh spirit, which is the ability to speak God's word. Now, John 3 said that God giveth not the spirit by measure unto Jesus. Jesus had unlimited power through God. In other words, God gave Jesus everything that all the men in the Old Testament had put together. All of God's power was available to him. Now, Old Testament believers received individual anointing for each individual task that they were called to achieve. For example, the spirit of might came upon Samson when he did supernatural feats of strength. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, and counsel came upon Solomon so he could rightly judge the people of Israel. That's in 1 Kings 3.12. Many of the prophets were given hidden knowledge to interpret dreams and visions. But all of those Old Testament anointings had one thing in common. They released a holy, reverent fear of God when people witnessed them. Now today, the greatest anointing or presence of God missing in the body of Christ is the fear of God. You know, several years ago after speaking in one church in Canada, our books were removed from the shelves and we were cordially uninvited to come back. We were told by the pastor, sorry, Rick, but we're not into this judgment stuff. Now, some members of the congregation complained because what we were preaching made them uncomfortable. But the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So the question remains, what will God do to warn his church of coming judgment in America? Will he release the early and the latter rain with signs and wonders following? Or will he just sit idly by? You know, as you watch the nations align, the examples of Sodom and Gomorrah appear in our nation. And a nation that's, that basically has gone reprobate with immorality. 
and a hatred towards the Judeo-Christian philosophy, what is God saying to you? What will it take to get people's attention concerning God's sure word of prophecy in these end times? In previous episodes of Prophecy USA, we discussed the seven churches, or seven groups of believers described by Jesus before he would return. In those lessons, we learned that Jesus was warning them to follow the word of biblical moral protocol and not the herd of the general populace. He warned us that many believers will fall away from biblical standards, just like 50% of the virgins who missed their own marriage with the bridegroom. In Matthew 25, the parable showed us that those who were ready for the bridegroom entered an open door that quickly shut preventing the others from entering. In the last days, Jesus promised the Church of Philadelphia that same open door of deliverance would keep us from the hour of tribulation that is coming upon the whole world. This door is the only reason Jesus is speaking to the believers of the last days. He is pointing out the sins that would keep them from being delivered from the tribulation period. You may recall, believers in Sardis lost their first love towards God. Believers in Ephesus did good works, but not God's works. Believers in Pergamos had fallen into sexual promiscuity and immorality. Believers in Thyatira duplicated Pergamos' promiscuity, with even leadership endorsing teachings from Jezebel, who in her day was a Baal worshiper practicing pornography and child sacrifices. Believers in Laodicea were rich in themselves, but not rich in supporting God's ministries of doing good works and spreading the message of His Word. Believers in Smyrna were persecuted but told to hold on for just a little while longer with the believers of Philadelphia, who are promised an open door of deliverance that awaits them. In the United States of America today, many believers are praying for a great awakening, a calling back to the principles and Judeo-Christian morality that helped create and maintain America's covenant with God in the first place. Can God bless a covenant nation whose flag proclaims at embassies around the world in God we trust, and at the same time, fly a rainbow flag underneath it that declares, in whose moral protocol we defy? Can a covenant nation be blessed when riots and protesters are screaming in the streets for the right to kill their children? Can Baal worship exist in a covenant nation and God bless that nation when the land is defiled by the shedding of innocent blood? So ye shall not pollute the land wherein ye are, for blood it defileth the land, and the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him who shed it. Can modern-day prophets actually convince people that God will not judge America because she is a covenant nation, while Scripture emphatically states, to whom much is given, much is required? For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So what exactly does God's word speak to his people in Babylon the Great? And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. 
and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. For these verses, it appears the only hope to those living in Babylon is to be awakened by the fear of the Lord, a fear driven by the realization of we who are in Bible prophecy. Isaiah and Jeremiah were denounced and martyred for prophesying the events that America has already fulfilled today. During their generation, the vast majority of prophets and orators deny that God would judge the covenant nation of Judah, and they convinced many people who followed that fake news. So what is the solution for our nation? How can we know the truth of what is to come? I suggest we follow the advice of the scriptures and pray with Jesus for an outpouring of rain from the hand of God. You know, in the Old Testament, when God manifested, at Mount Carmel. The Bible didn't say that the people cheered and, and, and rejoiced. When Elijah called down fire on the Baal worshipers, it says that the people literally hit the ground and they said, the God of Elijah, the God of Elijah, he is the most high God. We've never seen that kind of fear released in the body of Christ ever. But what's going to happen immediately before the judgment comes on America. Will God release the early and latter rain anointing? Is this the time period that he's talking about? A short time period before the husbandman comes and he receives the early and the latter rain. You know, we at Prophecy USA are praying for a mighty move of God and there's millions of Christians who know that without the hand of God, our nation is in big trouble. We need a revival. And the moving of God's hand is the only hope this nation has before the greatest exodus in the Bible takes place and his word is fulfilled. Revelation 18.4 says, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partaker of her sins, that ye receive not of her plagues. Folks, what will God do immediately before the judgment falls on America. Look how he raised up Moses with signs and wonders, warning the children of Israel to come out of her, my people, and follow me. You know, when that judgment came down, it came down like a two-edged sword. On one side, the Egyptians were judged, but on the other side, the children of Israel were delivered. What will God do before the greatest exodus in the history of the world takes place when millions of people are caught up? Will God warn us with the early and the latter rain? According to scripture, that's what Jesus is waiting for, for the early and the latter rain outpouring of his spirit. And you know, that outpouring is going to come upon us who are in covenant with him. So get your house in order, come back to God, stay in his will, because someday we may be that chosen generation who not only receives the early and the latter rain outpouring, but we may be the generation that doesn't even taste of death. Folks, 
This is an exciting time to be living in, especially if you're living in America. But we're out of time. This is Prophecy USA. My name is Rick Pearson, and I'm reminding you that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is alive, and he's coming back much sooner than many people realize. We'll see you next week on Prophecy USA. Shalom. Thank you.